Brad here with my good-looking buddy over here, Dr. Doug DeSiena, and we're here with Resurrecting Our Freedom. And I'm really excited about, about who we're, who's our guest today, and I'll get into that in a minute. You know how we start. We always start with a preamble, we the people. But first, before we do that, I want to preface a little bit, because I'm in a group called the FTBA, Freedom to Breathe Agency, and we are affiliated with a constitutional law group. In fact, that's what they're called, Rick Martin Constitutional Law Group who is winning lawsuits all over. It has some really big things coming up. But I feel like I've um, in working with them, uh, and we have some really exciting things coming up. I'm going to show you in a podcast about anti-lockdown business package. But I've been learning so much more about the Constitution and our rights. And it's really added a new meaning. And the other night, I was researching, what's the spiritual energy of the Constitution? And it talks about specifically the spiritual energy about our God-given rights, who we are as spirits coming into human body, aligning with the universe and, and, and the freedoms that are, are given to us, not by a government so far above the government, but by universal laws. And that's what the preamble suggests in putting that into uh, articulating that in a way that uh, gives us freedom from that, that we are the government and the government is actually limited, but what our real rights are. So it says, we, the people, that's us, divine beings. That's who we are. In order to form a more perfect union, unity is the highest spiritual consciousness. Oneness with a capital O, and that's really what that says, right? Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. You know, when you get into unconditional love and peace, and tranquility, you have a you have uh, humanity that begins to flourish, and and that truly, like it says in our Lord's prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that's the energy of the Constitution. Provide for common defense. Well, geez, man, I mean, I can go into God, how do we even approach that today? Promote the general welfare and secure blessings of liberty. Now, I just heard a uh, video by Rashad Buttar. And he had a patient of his that flew into Carolinas from New Zealand. They were abruptly taken from the airport to a secure location, tested with those PCR tests that don't aren't even specific for SARS-CoV-2. It's it's just DNA, RNA fragments. And then they were contained. They were allowed out into a dog run 30 minutes every other day. Wow. And this is supposedly a free country. You look at Melbourne, Australia is under martial law and, you know, and, and they're just shipping Chinese uh, people into that communist Chinese people in there. And you think, is that a preview of what may happen in here? So it seems to be moving from east to west. And then you look at secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And we can go off on this, but and this is just a preface of what we're going to talk about today. You know, I got a video of the Democratic conference and I saw a short video of Obama saying human beings are not smart enough to run themselves. And for that reason, we need one world government to tell human beings what to do. And that, OK, man, you just shot the whole Constitution. Uh, I can't even say you just shot it out. You know, it's like shooting a shotgun in a barrel. But uh, also to say they lost 48% of their following in, in basically last week. So, so we are here because, and what we were talking about before we taped this, COVID is one thing, virus is another. And I think the main talk 
right now and the main buzz is we're losing our freedoms on a daily basis around the world. And so with that, Dr. Brandon Crudor, you're a leader in the chiropractic profession. You've also been through a lot of life experiences. You follow politics, you know the science of COVID, you know what you know about the new world or you've studied this stuff and you're our very enlightened spiritual being first. And uh, we're thrilled to have you to share your knowledge and wisdom. So thank you for being here. Well, thanks for that warm introduction. And I appreciate you guys sharing your stage with me. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> where do we start this? I guess uh, you, you, right before we started recording this, you were talking about you've been delving into politics a bit more and all this stuff. Uh, I don't know, do you want to start a little bit with COVID? Well, can we have or do you want to start? Let's have the story. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, let's know who you are. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll give you just a, a, a little bit of background. I think I have a pretty interesting and compelling story that fits into uh, what we're all dealing with. Um, I'm a doctor of chiropractic by training. I've been tra practicing for 20 years. More importantly, I believe um, I'm a functional medicine provider, um, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I built, uh, along with my wife, a very large, uh, successful practice at, at our peak. We had over 5,000 active patients in the chronic disease sector, uh, making the world change, uh, making, uh, allowing healthcare to change for patients that were in that situation and ultimately saving lives. And because I, we were doing that particular style of practice at, as chiropractors before really anyone was really doing it as they are now, right? It's now more of an accepted thing. Uh, we were attacked by the medical establishment uh, in several ways. The media uh, uh, got involved and it was a really just a huge, excuse my language, shitstorm. Um, really disrupted our lives, our business, our practice, our income, our life savings, etc. I remember uh, liquidating uh, college funds that we had set up for both of our kids just to make it through that stretch. And in the long run, um, uh, having over a million dollars of legal fees, but standing up to what I believe to be medical tyranny uh, through the chiropractic board, uh, the medical board in Colorado, and several other regulatory agencies, um, and ultimately prevailing. You see, what happens is when those regulating bodies come after you. They are counting on you to cower. They are not used to having to deal with someone who puts up a fight. So they're often very, very unprepared. And we see that today. We see medical providers. Uh, this brings up the whole hydroxychloroquine issue where they will not prescribe it. They will not even have conversations with their patients about it. And a lot of patients, uh, people that I talk to about this, they say, well, why won't they? It's because their medical boards will come down on them with a hammer and threaten their livelihood. And it, it makes it, it's, it's huge. So we went through all of that. We prevailed at every level. Uh, it was fake news before fake news was even a thing. Um, and, you know, I remember this one time my wife and I were laying in bed where things were very, very heated. At times they would look bleak because of what they try to stack against you and take out of context and what have you just to you know, make their point that we looked at each other and we said, is it worth it? Do we really want to do this? Because we had gained a skill set at that point where we could basically be successful in any industry or sector we wanted to be. And we looked at each other and like, yes, this is in us. This is our life's work, our life's passion. We do this not just to build a business, but because we want to change people's lives. And fortunately, we stood up for ourselves and for the profession 
set the scope of practice for chiropractors in the state of Colorado, had an impact as well nationally, and we're still here today uh, making a difference. And our motto is our, our mission, or what we call our big, hairy, audacious goal is to change the face of healthcare. That's so awesome, man. Nice. You know, that's, you know, kind of a summation is, you know, you can, you, people can teach you the law, but, but they can't teach courage. You know what I mean? And, and that comes from purpose, right? What would you, how much credit, and I know what the answer is going to be, but just for our audience, would you give to spirituality at those low points, your spiritual foundation? I just got goosebumps when you asked the question. It took me right back. It was really that and the bond that I have with my wife, Heather, was really the only thing that kept me going. It was the only, and I, I'm not a person that believes in a formal religion or a formal God. I, I don't tap into spirit that way, um, but I was tapped in, man. And I, it, throughout my history, I've used uh, spiritual guides and mentors and boy, I was using them during that time. And I was, I was fortunate because they, the, the process really exhausted our income. Um, it exhausted our savings and we got to a point where we needed those type, that type of support and services. And I had some really uh, important people in my life that uh, stood up with me and helped me along uh, with that spiritual, spiritual journey and allowed me to look at things from that perspective. It helped. It, it made it made all the difference. Well, I think that's very powerful because today there's so much opposition as we see our freedom is being taken away that I think this is worldwide the most important time for people to tap into that spiritual foundation. And that's how we get through there. And, you know, you're dealing, you deal with uh, the primary um, first, first responders. Right, right right, is patients and suicide rate, domestic violence. Crazy I mean, high. you're immersed in that. It's crazy high because people are looking outside themselves and it's getting crazier and crazier. And we're only in August, man. Wait till two or three weeks before the election. I think we haven't even begun to see what we're going to experience. And we're beginning to see, see that in other countries. I so I have a point to make real quick. So what, what I find your story how did we get to the point where just one form of medicine is now the arbiter of all healthcare? So we, we somehow gave up the right to even choose the type of health we want for our families. And that's tyrannical. That really is. And so you fought the fight to open that up so that families can choose. Maybe they want this form of healthcare, but maybe they want this form of healthcare that you guys provide. Yeah, I think I won a very small battle in what is a very large and protracted war. I mean, this has been going on for a long time, this medical tyranny that you speak of, and it is really coming to a head. I mean, we didn't get here where we're literally all but assured that we're going to have a mandated vaccine for COVID, that if you don't take it, you might be imprisoned, put in a camp. Or, and, and that sounds wild, but I think it's very possible, or at the very least, your freedoms of, of ability to travel the world or go to work or go to the grocery store, go to school, that's already beginning to happen at universities and high schools where you, you can't go to school unless you have a freaking meningitis vaccine. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Or I, a mask. Yeah, the right. mask. I was, I was supposed to go to Hawaii in a couple of weeks and... Uh, the airlines called or emailed us and said that flight is canceled. Hawaii is on under quarantine. 
So yeah, the travel thing has already been curtailed. So it's not like something in the future. And then what I see happening, it's going to be quarantined and curtailed until you get a vaccine. And yeah. then maybe we'll allow you to travel then. Well, they're just yeah. conditioning us with a mask, man. I mean, I was on Delta the other day, you know, and after, and it was funny because, I mean, I, I don't know, it's because we're doctors and we actually know what, what hypoxia is like. So every time I was breathing my hot breath, man, I just had to pull that down. I started to get a sharp headache in my temple and they don't care. And, and I remember the flight attendant having this laminated thing. So you pull that down one more time, you will never fly Delta again. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, man, we are this close from a vaccination and a microchip. Yeah. yeah. Well, they just banned uh, the Rob O'Neill, the uh, serviceman who killed bin Laden. Delta just banned him because he shot a selfie of him himself on an airplane without a mask. Yeah, crazy. So anyway, uh, man, we could we, there's so much we could talk about. Um, you want to talk about any of the virus? or just get into the loss of freedoms and what's going on politically, you're pretty well versed there. Well, I think, I think going over, I'll give you my perspective on the virus. I think there's definitely something going on. Obviously something is getting people sick. I think when you look big picture and you look at death rate, we're gonna find out that this is gonna be no worse than a bad flu season at best. Um, but my perspective, and I think it's backed up credibly by evidence, and it's very quiet now. There was a blip on the radar um, a few months ago, but I think this was an engineered virus. Um, I think it was intentionally released uh, and, and maybe released from multiple areas in the world. Um, and that's what we're dealing with. I think we're dealing with a bioweapon. I guess at the end of the day, with what we have to deal with right now, it doesn't really matter. I think in the scope of uh, global politics, certainly it does matter. Um, but I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, you know, they're continually counting the cases and that I, I never understood why that's important. I mean, I understand on the surface why that might matter, but at the end of the day, it's really about how, how are people reacting to it is how we should be reacting to that particular data. And they're just shoveling that under the rug. And I think we are in for uh, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Fred, you mentioned that earlier. I think as we get closer in towards the election, we're going to have several other big events, multiple events. And depending upon the outcome of the election, um, I think there's going to be a lot of upheaval um, in the streets. I mean, we're already seeing it now. Can you imagine if Trump wins? Or can you imagine if it's a contested election? I think our cities will be burning more than they are now. I think it will get worse. And then I've talked to people about this. There's, there's a group of people, um, and, and part of the narrative is after the election, that virus is going to go away magically. And I'm not so sure, because I think the powers that be or the apparatus that is using it right now is going to continue to use it. One, to continue to bludgeon the next Trump administration, or two, if Biden, God forbid, this is just my political opinion here, if Biden were to get in, they're going to continue to use it to control. Because I think it's clear that the Democratic platform is all about control. We are marching towards socialism. We have been for a while. And we are like, it feels like we're almost at the finish line. We're right there on the precipice of are we going to stay 
a capitalistic and free uh, country that has liberty? Are we moving into where most of the rest of the world is into a socialist, fascistic type of government? Um, we're right there. And, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about that is what's interesting is we, can, we, we typically only deal with the here and now, which is like we, we can look at this and say, well, all of a sudden, all of our freedoms are being taken away from us. But no, this has been going on for decades. My dad, who is in his 60s, he said, I never thought I would see this. He said, I didn't even think you would see it. I thought maybe your kids would see it towards the end of their life or your grandkids. And he said, but here it is. Yeah, crazy. I know it's so funny you said your dad who's in his 60s. I'm going to be 60. We're going to be 60 in like six months. That's why he said, wow, my dad. And I'm like, shit, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost right there. Well, he's closer to 70 than he, is, than he is 60. Yeah, there you go. Okay, thanks. I feel better about myself now. And he, doesn't look, and he doesn't look like you or think like you. Well, you know, and, and again, this is political opinion. I mean, and not to be a doomsday or anything, but uh, there was some pretty good serious upheaval. I saw this video today. Not that, you know, it's a video, so who knows? Apparently, uh, what we're going to learn about is that uh, there were 25 assassination attempts between the time he got elected, Trump got elected in November and January. Because so I guess there's a, a few month period of time that goes by, like the official he takes over the official office like January 16th or something. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, if Biden gets, if Biden gets elected, I don't think he's the person that's going to stay there. I mean, I think he's just front man. I think there may be, he's going to have a lot of forces behind him, obviously. And uh, if Trump gets reelected, oh, there's, there might be all kinds of hell in the streets because there's going to be a revolution by the people that don't want him in there. I really, I really think we're dealing with a very, very vocal and emotional minority. I think a lot of this is orchestrated, not to say that there aren't sectors of our society that don't have a beef, that don't have problems and issues that the government should be working on to try to help them alleviate their situation, which it never does. I mean, can, can, can the normal person look at the situation and ask yourself, does anything ever happen good for our communities in the United States of America that are downtrodden. Hardly ever. I mean, honestly, the only thing that, the only time that we've seen in the, in the, uh, in the uh, recent past of uh, our economically downtrodden uh, sectors of society actually doing better is under the Trump administration. That's statistically a fact. Right. So um, I, I, I lost my train of thought. I apologize, but um, where was I headed? Well, I did see, and I'll interrupt you, I was watching a uh, conference, uh, should I blank on the way, I think I need to eat lunch, of, of Trump in Minnesota, and he did say he will not tolerate violence in the street, and he, at the drop of a hat, if there's any violence in the street, he will yeah. use federal agents and military to stop it right now. So I think he gets elected, there, there's a revolt, he will yeah. not hesitate, to put the country, to to be martial law in certain cities. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I was I wanted to make that point as well. I think the gloves will come off because he will not have to worry about election, right? And, and I, unfortunately, a lot of this has to be uh, worked through by his administration through the lens of being reelected. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, and unfortunately, that's just the 
that's just the nature of the beast. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I, I am a guy, I'm more libertarian than anything. Um, I want I want the government to leave me alone. I wanted to get small. I want the parasites out of my government. I actually want things to change. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, what we're what we've been observing as it relates to social unrest and the riots and things of that nature. Again, I think it's clear that much of this is orchestrated, um, and I don't think it's right. I think when you are out there looting, burning, raping, killing, beating um, other human beings, I think it stands to reason that obviously that's got to be shut down and it's got to be shut down now with force. And obviously these democratic, democratic, democratically led cities are not willing to do that. And my only hope is that the politics of that, there'll be a price to pay. Yeah, I think there already is a price being paid in those cities. Yeah, that's for sure. So I just want to drive this back to the idea of loss of liberty. I think what's going on is that there's two sectors, two movements going on. And the one movement is trying to get rid of all possible risk. So what, what do I mean by that? So let's, let's put a, uh, something in place so that we're, um, everybody gets a guaranteed paycheck. So everybody can go to college and get a free education so that everybody can get free healthcare. And let's get a vaccine so that we don't have to worry about how you take care of yourself. So we're removing responsibilities, we're removing risk to have governmental safety nets taking place. And the more we take away those risks and provide government safety nets, we're removing liberties along the way. And that's where I see us going. Personal choice. Personal choice. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And I think if you, if you pull back from it and you ask the obvious question, why would a government do some type of universal income? Because it's going to be a pittance, right? I mean, you're going to be living off of nothing. When you read... Uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell, who is a, a famous economist, black man, you know, he's up in years now, he's been doing this for a long time. The research is very clear that the minimum wage actually harms people. It, is, it, it, it prevents upward mobility. And here what we're trying to do, or at least what they're talking about doing, and what we've already seen is sending out checks to people that basically amount to some type of minimum wage, or as some person might call a living wage. I, I, that, that term there drives me bananas. Like who is to decide what is a living wage? What does that mean? You know, for me, it's something totally different than someone else who doesn't have maybe the ambition or just doesn't have designs on wanting to have the life experience that I want to have. It's so different from everyone. Um, I think, and, and it's, it, this opens up a whole nother can of questions that we have to answer. If you understand the research, for example, that the minimum wage has been proven to be harmful to societies, and we're looking towards a universal income, all they're looking to do is subjugate the population. And then I talk to people who are not on this track, who are not able to see this, and they ask a question like, well, why would they want to do that? Why, why, why would they want to subjugate the population? The only answer that I can come up, that, come up with that makes any sense at all is control. Right. They want control. And, and then you have to answer the question, well, who is they? 
that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, it is. I just recently found out about the constitution that was written in 1871 where uh, DC became its own DC, Washington DC. There's, there's three, three uh, where, where United States became a corporation and it's with the Vatican, the London financial district and DC. Right. So, so basically there, there's the Illuminati, you know, the, the elite families that control the money and the financial center of the world, the Vatican, who's, who's supposed to supply the spiritual faith. And of course, DC in America, that that represents the capital corporate center of America. And uh, that, that was interesting to start to look into. I'm sure you guys know about that. Follow the money, follow the money. And that's where a lot of this is going to be revealed on how that's been, um, disassembled it's in the process of being disassembled right now that i think we're going to find out a lot of that uh, in next year first six months of next year yeah i think you know you start to delve into new world order secret societies what and who is really controlling the world and how it, it's hard to wrap your mind around but i think there's a lot of information that is um, lends credibility to a discussion about that you talk about Illuminati and Skull and Bones and all these secret societies. Uh, it's hard for people to go there. It's hard for them to see it um, because it is not factually revealed in its totality. We are left to try to put the pieces together. But I tell you, I'll tell you this: if you if you if you're interested and you want to read about some of these things that others would call conspiracy theory. Um, a lot of it makes a lot more sense than what, what the narrative is right now. Like oh, with yeah. the narrative that is pushed out makes no sense whatsoever. None. So we have to try to figure out a way to put the pieces together. So some things that might be way far and outlandish, maybe it's not true, but something in the middle. And then I, I tell people like, look, the world is not just some amorphous blob that just happens organically. Think, just, just bring it down to the micro. Think about a business. Someone has to control it. Someone has to give it thrust and direction and focus and put systems in and protocols, et cetera. Governments are nothing more than a business. Who's controlling those businesses? You talk about deep state and the DC elite and all of that stuff. There's an interweb, an apparatus that has been, I think, constructed over time um, and, and people who talk about this stuff, they talk about the hierarchy. Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that, how much it's hard to know. Um, but it's, again, it certainly makes a lot more sense than the bull crap that's being fed to us through the mainstream narrative. Well, it's really the people's desire to know, you know, I think, I and mean, then you, you know a lot about this and I've never given a crap about uh, politics and, um, you know, shamefully enough, not that I take shame, but at halftime, I couldn't even tell you who the vice president was, you know, we stay in our own bubble and, uh, you know, I was just practicing chiropractor and coaching, you know, doing all our stuff and we're in our own life. We're creating this great life. It doesn't really matter. And it seems like we have all the freedoms that we don't, we, that we want. We don't realize the progression of restrictions that are happening because we live a good life and we create it and we bust our ass. And then all of a sudden it's like, now you have to pay attention. And now, you know, because of what you said, because the narrative 
is so senseless. It's actually crazy that now it's like you want to pay attention. You know, now it's like, because the pieces, the puzzle pieces are out there. And we do have to put it together ourselves because it's not a mainstream narrative, but the pieces are becoming more and more obvious. And, and I know I have family members and things that you talk to them, even you mention stuff like this. It's such cognitive dissonance because I just want to go back to my life. But the yeah. reality is if we don't know and take a stand and you don't do your homework, then you're going to be a victim. You're either an activist or a victim today. Yeah. And uh, I, responsibility. I take a different view of this. Um, I don't really want to go back to where we were. Right. I don't want to go back to that life. Um, I want to actually use this as a springboard to begin to move in the direction of what the country is supposed to be about. Right. Freedom and liberty. Because we, we have gone so far astray from that over the decades, over the, you know, over the, the time since this country was, was formed, um, let's use this opportunity to push further and further towards that, not just to go back over the, over the line that existed when February of 2020. I don't, I'm not really interested in that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, I, I agree with that too. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like we've been slipping away from the liberty that our forefathers and mothers gave us. And I think that if we don't stop that slippery slope, it's, it, we're going to hit the basement. And so it's not just a pre-COVID. It's, it's, the slope was occurring before COVID happened. We were already sliding. Yeah, COVID was just like a manifestation or maybe an accelerator, but it was occurring well before that. Right. Yeah. I said the other day to someone, I, I feel like we have slid off. You know, we were sliding <laughs> off the slope, that slippery slope, and I think we have slid off. I don't know how we get back on, but we're not on it anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, it's not funny, but it is funny, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's wild. And what is, what is astonishing is the seemingly the amount of people who are okay with the trajectory that we're on. I, it, it, it is beyond me how they can't see that a forced mask leads to the next thing and then the next thing. If, if history teaches us anything, is that governments move always towards totalitarian control, more and more control, not less. When, when has that ever happened other than the formation of the United States of America, where we've gone back to smaller governments and less control? I, I can't think of any example. Well, I was watching this video the other night and they said, you know, the Nazi Germany criminals, the war criminals that I guess they were being hung, you know, right before they, and whether or not this is a true story, but I could see it happening. They said, we were just doing what we were told to do. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. You know, people are just doing what they're told to do and they're lining up for the slaughter and they don't even realize it because you're just following the rules. It's really hard to confront. Because let's just pretend for the moment that we will be in a state, in a place where there is a mandatory vaccine that can be forcibly given to you and your kids that has not been safety tested against an actual placebo, an actual control that has no long-term studies, that's, it's experimental in, in its um, 
application. In other words, the technology is experimental. Um, you can't do anything in your life that you used to do. You can't earn a living. You can't go to the store. Your kids can't be educated, etc. You can't fly. You can't participate in commerce. And they show up at your door and they want you to be injected. That's, I think the problem is, that's a hard thing to try to figure out. I struggle with it. People ask me, what are you gonna do? And I don't know if I have a good answer, other than you're probably gonna get your head blown off and I might go with you, but I'm, it's not gonna happen. I don't know how to, how to resolve that. What are your thoughts about, about if we make it to that point at this time, what will we do? What, what is the action that one can take to protect your life, literally your life and that of your offspring and your liberty at that point in time? You know, at this point, the problem is we know the science of the vaccination and the RNA vaccination and who's behind it. And it will change the genome, the human genome for generations, not to mention that it's patented, just like coronavirus, that that RNA, that RNA vaccination has a patent. That means somebody owns it. That means you're going to change your genetic structure that is owned by a corporation and by people. And that, that comes out of Moderna. You know, I believe George Sor Soros is involved in that. We know Bill Gates and Fauci. How would you like to have Bill Gates own the patent on your genetics? That means he gets to determine what you do. You are owned by a corporation. Not to mention that you change your genetic genome. Like, I'm glad my son is going to be either 27 or 28 this year. So I can't imagine. What are the ages of your kids? They are um, 16, almost 17, and almost 14. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the military showing up at your door and say, we're going to take you or we're going to take your kids? No, as a father, you're going to fight to the death right there at your door. Yeah. And that, you know, like you said, what do you do? I mean, there's only one option. You're not taking my kids. Yeah. And I don't I think, think I'm going to be leaving my family. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's go. I feel the same way. And I think at the end of the day, my, my father-in-law tells me at, at some point in time, you're not going to have enough guns or ammunition because if, they, if, if it goes to that point, you won't be able to fight it. You're going to be overwhelmed. Uh, so it, my, my point is, it's, it's a hard thing to confront. So what most people do is they go, oh, come on, that's never going to happen. Give me a break. It's happening now. Yes. Not just with max, uh, masks. It's happening with vaccines. It's happening. Yeah. And it has been for a long time. Yeah. yeah. We had the big move here in California when that four people had measles at Disneyland. And Dr. Pan from the state capitol immediately took out personal exemptions, religious exemptions, and the personal choice. And then immediately, immediately thereafter, he took away the, a doctor's ability to write a, an exemption. So I, I yeah. just have one, one big point to show our viewers. If, if we know that these vaccine manufacturers who have no liability on their product, by the way, they're making a gazillion dollars. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's in the gazillions. Now you're Is that an actual number? Yeah, a, I think it is. It's, I it's right after a trillion. Gazillion. You're talking about <laughs> vaccinating kids, right? So you're talking about zero to maybe 12 years old. Maybe you'll put the Garzel vaccine in there and maybe a few uh, elderly flu vaccines. 
So, and they were making a gazillion dollars, whatever that number is. Now with COVID, you're talking about the entire population. Think about the, think about the monetary gain that some people are going to have. You know, are no longer talking about people who are, you know, one through eight or 10 or 12. You're talking about the entire population is going to now need a vaccine from birth until death. And not only do you need a vaccine, because the antibodies burn out in about 90 days, we're going to have to get repeated doses of said vaccine. So now we're going to get hit once, twice, three, four times a year. That we're talking a crazy amount. Yeah, that's dollars. more. That's more. What's after gazillion? Zazillion? <laughs> Zazillion. Mom. It's just a lot. This COVID, a lot. it is beyond a grand slam yeah. if you are a vaccine. It's genocide. It'll be genocide. Yeah. It, you know, there, there's a whole other piece. The you know, population. Yeah, long-term effects and the cancers that are going to come out from that. Not to mention 5G going up everywhere. Tons of research showing how 5G not only mimics the symptoms of COVID with hypoxia, but the cancer rates. I mean, anybody knows, you know, we already know, don't live under power lines because of the electromagnetic forces, right? Well, what's, these are like massive, there's a whole checkerboard of power lines that are everywhere we go. All you got to do is turn on your phone and where you get a signal, you're in it. Yeah. So yeah. the whole, and now the, uh, the, I was watching this other video that uh, storms, we're going to see more extreme storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, all this kind of stuff that 5G and how it screws up the earth, the living mother earth and, and the, all the adverse effects. So got a lot of stuff coming down, possibly coming well, down the road. Did hear a video about Gates talking about a reduction in the world's population by 15% to make it more sustainable. Um, feels like that's going to happen. Well, that was, right. Using vaccination. I mean, that's on a Ted talk, I think in 2015 or something like that, 2018. It is on a Ted talk. Like I talk to people about these things. They're like, Oh, give me a break. Bill Gates is some population control person. Yes. He's a, he's a eugenics guy. His dad was a eugenics guy. This is like documented facts on video. This guy saying that we need to do better with population control and hopefully with vaccines and so on and so forth that we'll get there. Yeah. And I've tried to give that talk the benefit of the doubt and try to figure out, recontextualize what he meant. And it is impossible to do. It's very clear what he says. Super clear. Sometimes you have to take people at their word. <laughs> yeah. exactly. yes. You know, he's got the whole Gavi organization and Ted Turner is a part of that. Ted Turner on video said he believes the world population should be two and a half billion. That means we have to get rid of, you got to kill off 5 billion people. Yeah. Of course he's, I don't even know if he passed yet. I mean, he's been stage four cancer and now his deathbed for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I have a good friend. I have a good friends of mine that are um, towards the left. Um, raised that way and we have great discussions about this and they're, they're open at least to hear the point of view that we're talking about and they just can't see it they see a glimpse of it but as soon as they see that glimpse they have to pull out um, it's fascinating to watch and I'm not saying I have a monopoly on the truth and what's really going on I think but I think I have a truer uh, vision and perspective of what's happening I sent um, my friend 
just today a video that you guys have probably seen of the simulations back in late 2019 of a pandemic. And I sent that over there. If you haven't watched that, it's really spooky, very self-explanatory. And I sent it, I sent it, and the first thing that she wanted to do was debunk it, which is good, right? It's good to you you want to pressure test what you're consuming. But what she sent back to me was like factcheck.org. Now, you got to go a little bit deeper than that. Factcheck.org is obviously a propaganda machine. I mean, that's been well established. Um, but it brings up another point. Well, well let, me, let me finish that point. At some point, the, the, these, these people, this narrative is trying to tell every human being on the planet not to believe your lying eyes. Like, it's right in front of you, and they're telling you, no, it's not. There's no riots in the streets. They're peaceful protests. They're largely peaceful. I'm like, have you looked at these cities? They look like Beirut, right? Um, but but the, the, the final point I want to make and get your take on is there's so much information out there to consume. It's ubiquitous that it's, it's very, very hard to tell what's true and what's not because it's flying in at light speed and it's so much. I don't know how we square that circle. Yeah, well, you know, I think, I know when I, if you want to say consume this information, uh, I look for consistencies. Like, you know, you know, there's patterns. And I studied human behavior for 23 years and you study this. You know, there's patterns in human behavior. There's patterns in psychology. And when things match the pattern, then I tend, even though you may not have factual proof or you know, you're just seeing, well, this study and that study. And, you know, you look at the source, you look at the video, and then you see, does that match the pattern? And that's how I do it. Yeah. So really I can answer for other people. I think it's very hard because we all view it through our own lens, right? Yeah. So we have to, you have to fight very hard to ask yourself, am I believing X, Y, Z? Because that's just how I'm bent in the first place, right? That's just how I want to view it. It's, it's very tough. Well, then I think the next thing is you just got to look outside, you know, I mean, how could we be in the summer? And I know we're going on here mm. when coronavirus is a seasonal virus yet mask mandates, although mandates just doesn't mean mandatory and that's not law and all the other stuff are getting worse and worse and worse. So you can see a trend. There is a pattern and a trend that the closer we're getting to November, the more strict things are getting around the world. And I think it doesn't take, you know, all you got to do is open your eyes and look when you go to the grocery store or go to the airport or anything like that. It's right in front of us. Regardless, if you didn't go to any social media or anything, you just walk, walk down your street. And I live at the beach and you see people with the wind blowing on the beach with a mask. That would be the last place that you would need one. Or in your car by yourself. Or in your car by yourself. Yeah, or on a, on a, on a path in the woods riding your bike, no one else around and you're masked up. I can't even figure it out. I, you know, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they don't have the information. Maybe they have some underlying condition that they're terrified about. Go ahead, if you want to mask up and glove up and put a shield on and whatever, that's fine, I, you know. But don't make me do it. Yeah. I think the other thing I look at, you're talking about patterns. Have we ever seen 
a presidency go through one thing after the other as much as this president. It's unbelievable. It's almost comical. It's one, now we got this post office thing and you know, they just com continue to pile it on. Where's all this stuff coming from? Yeah. Well, that's the that, that, that pattern is suspicious. Yeah, it is. You think? <laughs> so you know, and and I'm I'm not saying that I'm trying to say that as objectively as humanly possible, not to defend Trump. I will vote for Trump and it won't even be close. It's it's not even a consideration. I, I can't imagine how a person can vote for cognitive Joe. It is very clear, and I'm a clinician, and one of the conditions we take care of in our practice is cognitive decline, dementia, early stage Alzheimer's disease. This guy is sick. How can people decide that, yeah, I'm gonna vote for him just because I hate the other guy? You would have to be saying, one, I'm gonna ignore the fact that my eyes and ears are telling me this guy can't string two sentences together ever, and they're obviously controlling him. And I'm okay with that because I want the government apparatus to take back control. I saw. I can't see any other way. I saw a very interesting bumper sticker. I didn't know if it was a joke or if it was for real. And on the bumper sticker, it said, settle for Joe. So that, and that's where it comes, settle for Joe. Like, yeah. that's the enthusiasm for who you're voting for. It's somebody I want to settle for. Yeah, and I've had, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You go ahead. Uh, I've had conversations with folks, um, and it's clear that they just want to vote against Trump. They don't like him. They don't like his personality. They get fed the they they, they buy into the media narrative that has been uh, propagated against him. Uh, and he's no saint, and he's not perfect, and he's rough around the edges, uh, and he'll tell it like it is, and. His speech patterns are sometimes convoluted. Sometimes I think it's purposeful, or maybe it's just his way. Part of that I like. Um, but, and I asked them, let's just talk about policies. What policies has Trump enacted that you just despise, that you have to vote against? And I haven't had anyone really be able to answer that question in a sane, reasonable, factual way. I, it's I, I, all emotion. I, I can tell you a few, actually. Uh, the reversing of the courts. Uh, he's put in a bunch of conservative courts. Uh, he's unraveling uh, what was called universal health care or Obamacare. So right. that's been two really large ones that he's dismantling. Well, I, I, think, I think those are the, the, the reasons why you would vote for him. I'm, I'm, I'm saying democratically oh. people who were vote against Trump just because they hate him cannot generally have a conversation about what policies they right. dislike. Okay. They're yeah. so wrapped up in their amygdala and their uh, limbic system because they've, they're mad, they're angry, they've been spun up. They're not thinking intellectually. They're not looking at factual policies. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, I don't know if any final words, man, we, you know, it's so easy to go down the wormhole. I feel like we can sit here and talk for two hours, but uh, we'll let you guys go. So any final words that you want to share? Dr. Well, Brown? I, think, I think it comes back to one of the, the um, principles you introduced early on in our podcast together. 
um, we have to somehow get back to spirit. We have to somehow remember and take solace in the fact that we are not a body, that we are something more, that we are a spirit. We are a being that just happens to inhabit a body. And I think if you can tap into that, it builds courage. It builds resiliency in that um, at some point in time, we are either going to perish if we continue to march down this, this way uh, in more ways than one, or we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to stand up. And I think the last thing I would say is, is if we can figure out a way to mobilize our courage and our God-given right to freedom and liberty and really take to the streets for the right reasons, we can't be stopped. There, there would be, there's too many of us that I think think the way that we think, feel the way that we feel. Maybe not all the way, but enough to be able to say, I'm not going to live in this type of country, this type of world, and I'm certainly not going to have it continue to march and get worse for my kids and my grandkids and, and, and so on and so forth. Well, I agree. And I also think that spiritual foundation not only gives you courage, but it gives you responsibility. So you have responsibility, courage, then you are going to stand up. And so I think that was a lot of wisdom right there. So thank you. Do you have anything? Yeah, I do. I, I think that if I can uh, extort one thing to people watching this, and that is simply this, that we have to stop living in a state of compromise. And we, we have to start living on the convictions. And yes, it does take courage. Uh, courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is moving forward even in the face of fear. And so we all have convictions but when we compromise our beliefs, that's when we lose all of our liberties and our values and our values. And morals. Yeah. So that's my. Cool, man. Thanks for adding that. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us, Brandon. And, uh, you know, you're, you're putting great things out in the world, man. You're doing great things. Thanks for being a great leader and a great American. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resurrecting Our Freedom. If you also believe in upholding our constitutional freedoms, please like, subscribe, and follow us.